Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we're here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. It's the basketball episode coming at you two times a week. We got football on Tuesdays, we got basketball on Sundays and Wednesdays. Not a lot of basketball going on right now, but we've got some fun topics to cover. We'll preview a couple of games, and then we're going to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions for teams. We're going to rank the coaches on how well they have done so far this season, and then we're also going to debate a little Little bit is the Big Ten Conference one of the top two conferences? Have they fallen off? Are they one of the worst Power Six conferences right now? Is a conference like the Mountain West doing better than the Big Ten is right now? We'll talk about it. We'll see what the guys think uh, and, and make sure we get those opinions. I'm going to go ahead and introduce the guys. Let them tell you where you can find them at. Russ, why don't you go first? Yeah, thanks, Jr. I am a uh, Russ of Boiler Express the podcast. Um, you can find us anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, etc. We also are on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or X. Um, when we go live, you can see us on all those platforms. Just search Boiler Express Podcast. We're all things Purdue. A lot of football, a lot of basketball, but um, a little bit of other stuff on there too. So come check us out. For sure. Always a good time over there at Boiler Express. Spartan Dog, go ahead and tell people about you or where they can find you at. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Bacon Wire. Uh, we, cover, we cover MSU football, MSU basketball. Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll be back. We're taking a little bit of a holiday break right now. We'll be back after the new year. Uh, you can find me at Spartan Dog 97. Uh, if you're a Lions fan, good time to follow me. Great time to follow me. I, It's been a lot of fun. So uh, ready to keep the good vibes rolling. There you go. Always got the Lions if uh, the other Michigan uh, sports aren't going well or anything. I guess there is one Michigan sport going really well right now, but we won't talk about that one because you you see the little logo right here, and I had to talk <laughs> about them last night and give them their flowers. So uh, there's no Michigan fans on tonight for me to talk about it with. So, <laughs> All right, before we get into it, I do want to remind you, we're brought to you by Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com uh, for all your Big Ten media needs, podcasts, all kinds of things over there. You can find for every Big Ten team. In addition to that, please do like and subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening on podcasts, please give us a rating over there. We appreciate that. Subscribe as well. And uh, just help the podcast grow. We appreciate all of our listeners and, and our new listeners. I had somebody comment the other day they're going to start listening more often, so we appreciate that. Hope you're listening now and uh, hope you all enjoy the content. All right, guys, let's get into it. Our first thing we're going to talk about is Ohio State versus West Virginia. Now, if you look at the records, this doesn't seem like quite the game, right? And Ohio State scheduled this back when they thought Bob Huggins would still be the West Virginia coach. Obviously, he had his struggles in the offseason, which has, you know, not made him the coach anymore. So that those things going on. But West Virginia does have some good players. They've struggled with the, uh, uh, what's it called? The not having the the players approved by the NCAA. Of course, the restraining order is in place now, which is helping them with some of their guys like Kirk Hersa, uh, Raquan Battle. I think it's Raquan uh, Battle as well. Some of those guys who are really, really good players are now playing for West Virginia. So this is a more lethal team than they were at the beginning of the season. However, they have still lost to teams like UMass, Radford, those kind of things. And the Buckeyes are are playing pretty well. They had their stinker against Penn State where they let up a huge lead and lost that one that I don't want to think about or remember, but it's fine. We'll mention it. Uh, Russ, we'll go to you first on this one. What are your, some of your thoughts leading into this Ohio State-West Virginia game? Yeah, it seems like uh, you're doing that um, uh, cautious fan thing where you're talking up West Virginia a little bit just in case it doesn't go your way, but right. 
um, you know, I see a pretty clear gap here right now. Like you said, you know, Bob Huggins going out in the offseason. You've got Josh Eilert, who still on the website is listed as interim. So he's not even somebody that the, the program is fully behind. Um, like you said, they've had the eligibility issues. They did get Raekwon Battle back a couple of games ago. But even with him back and being, you know, very, very good, even as an understatement, he he's went off for 29 points in both games. But one of those was a loss to Radford. Um, and the other one, I think, was just like a 10 digit win to was it Toledo, I believe. So, you know, I, West Virginia, yes, they've been playing a little bit better as of late. But I mean, you still got an over 100 point gap in Ken Palm, right? Ohio State's 27. West Virginia's 129 in net. It's even a bigger gap. Ohio State's 28. West Virginia's 180 in the net. So, you know, I do think this is a game that as long as, you know, Ohio State continues to take care of the the rebounds, take care of the boards, um, and get to the free throw line, which they've been doing really well, um, I, you know, I, I think this is a, a good, comfortable power six win for you all to get to 11 wins before you even get to New Year's. You know, so, you know, like I said, as much as it, it was a bad loss to Penn State, to sit there and look at 11-2 and two going into the new year and going into a conference schedule, I think your guys are in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good situation for Ohio State to be in. And even with West Virginia getting some of these guys back, they've played, what, two, maybe three games, I think, at most. I think the the battle guys only played two games. Now they scored 29 points in both those games. But, uh, you know, that always does give you concern, especially for Ohio State, which has struggled to stop some of these premier scorers. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Dawson Garcia from Minnesota just absolutely went off against Ohio State when they played them. Now, it didn't you know, seem to matter that much because Ohio State was still able to take care of them. However, that does make you a little skittish, especially with the loss to Penn State earlier this season. Uh, Spartan Dog, what are your thoughts? Should I be concerned about this game? Do you Are you with Russ where it's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal? What are your thoughts? Here's what this game's going to come down to, JR. It's going to come down to, is Chris Holtman going to have a brain fart? Because Chris Holtman every year is always good for for a few like games that they should win and he just makes some weird substitution decision doesn't take a timeout to to stop a run and it ends up costing Ohio State in the long run so it, you know on paper this seems like a clear cut win for Ohio State but like you pointed out they did lose to Radford, but this West Virginia team does look more fluid with, with Raekwon battle in there. And if they're and if they're unable to shut him down, then that could be an issue outside of Raekwon battle. I'm not really sure who else on this West Virginia team. Ohio state is supposed to be afraid of. Um, I haven't watched much of them la- this year, but I know from last year, uh, both both watching MSU play them and just kind of some watching some of their other games, they were a young team that had a lot of potential, and, and this should be the year where they take that step up and really kind of get into the conversation for a double buy in the conference tournament. So if you want to be in that conversation, you got to win games like these. You've already lost a game like against Penn State, so you really can't afford many more of these losses. 
Well, on this loss, you know, not this loss. If this does become a loss, this is one of those tricky ones, right? Where a team wasn't playing as well at the beginning of the season. And, like, I, I know they lost to Radford, but still, like I said, these are better players they have in now. Uh, so if Ohio State does end up losing this game, it's kind of a tricky one because it's not going to be good for them in the net. This is what, uh, you know, because it's a neutral site game. I think it's quad two or quad three. I can't remember exactly. It is technically a neutral site game because they're playing in Cleveland. <laughs> so, uh, kind of more toward Ohio State but still neutral site um and so that's gonna hurt them as well that like you know because net doesn't always account for injuries and players not playing especially the crazy world we live in now with guys having um ha- having their waivers and guys not having their waivers it's just it's wild it's chaos it's really something the NCAA or whoever's in charge of whatever is going on needs to fix because it's just absolutely ridiculous uh, that we have this kind of stuff going on. But it is difficult to try and project, and the numbers won't favor Ohio State if they win. And then on the flip side, it's not going to favor Ohio State either if they if they win, because I think this is a better win uh, than what the numbers would suggest if Ohio State does win this one. Um, but ultimately, we'll see We'll see how it goes down. I, I think Ohio State does win this one. I think Bruce Thornton has been on fire. I think Roddy Gale has been able to do a lot as well. Even in that UCLA game where Ohio State was struggling offensively, Roddy Gale uh, was a nice shining light that was able to make things happen for the offense. And I do think it's a big, big deal that Jesse Edwards is hurt and not playing as well. Felix Akpara, Zed Key are going to be able to to play defense better uh, and have their way a little bit more down in the post because Edwards, Edwards is a good player, but for him being out for I think I read a month now is going to be really difficult for them uh Russ are you picking Ohio State to win this one as well I am I am and like I said I I would expect it to be somewhere in like the mid-teens to maybe even close to 20 um you know I I think maybe something like an 80 to 64 um kind of a win because you know like you said it's technically neutral so that does help you you know technically if it is a loss or you guys don't play well it shouldn't hurt you as much not being a true home game Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as lowly as they are ranked, losing record, you know, interim coach, they are still trying to figure things out with these pieces coming back. And, you know, the, like like Spartan Dog said, you know, it's a young team that's starting to to gel and starting to get their, you know, get the ball rolling on offense, especially. I think that it, it should be a comfortable win for you all. And, you know, like you said, it, it might not be as good in the numbers, but for you, the fan base and for the players, it's going to be a really good boost going into conference play. Yeah, for sure. I think I think you're right. Uh, the the boost of enthusiasm and stuff like that more than anything, and getting to 11 wins uh, would be would be something for the team to hang their hat on. Spartan Dog, you gonna pick Ohio State to win this one as well? I am gonna pick Ohio State. I I I think that Ohio State is probably one of the more underrated, talented teams in the Big Ten this year. I think they're flying under the radar just because of they they underperformed last year. Let's call a spade a spade, but I think that. You know, having those guys getting a year of experience under their belt under Chris Holtman, I think is going to help them both both in this game and once the calendar turns to 2024 and we jump into conference play. So I think Ohio State should take care of business here in Cleveland. They should. We'll see if it happens. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing. All right, let's move on to 
Michigan State versus Indiana State. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why are we previewing a game where Michigan State is playing some no-name Indiana State? Well, listen up. I live like 30 minutes away from Terre Haute, and I, I root for the Sycamores, but at the same time, I also root for the Big Ten. So I'm kind of I'm kind of you know conflicted on this one. However, Indiana State is having a great season. They have some uh, you know 11 wins this year. We just talked about how important that is, especially for a mid-major team. They have their one loss uh, as well. So Indiana State's playing good basketball. Michigan State, for whatever reason, has just decided to schedule the hardest mid-majors possible. I mean, they had JMU at the beginning of the season. Now they have Indiana State. Um, I don't know if they meant to do that or if it just kind of happened that way. I'm sure that's just the Michigan State luck right now with everything going on. Uh, Spartan Dog, what are your thoughts going into this game? So right off the top, just want to say prayers for Jeremy Fears um, as he continues to recover. Um, You know, absolutely. Um, Just devastating awful situation but uh yeah no is all 100 playing this on purpose like this is 100 per- he, he grinded tape in the off season and and he was like these are the guys i want to play uh fun fact about this game this is the first time that michigan state and indiana state are playing each other since that legendary 1979 national championship game where magic johnson and larry bird faced off against each other Oh, so wow. just, just in historical context, they have never played. They haven't played since then. This will be the first time since that, since that matchup. So that's awesome. Um, that that's pretty cool. Like historic wise, uh, you know, in this game, um, what I'm looking for, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for everyone to kind of keep the, keep the rhythm going. Right. It, it started off bad as bad as the season could start for, for, for a team preseason, number four, all the expectations in the world. And to go out there and you lay an egg against a mid-major. Now, JMU's one of five undefeated teams left in the country, but they're still a mid-major, right? You, you should have taken care of business and, you know, losing to, losing to a two team that outside of Kyle Filipowski is not, you know, super impressive. You have a band. You, you you come all the way back against against the top five Arizona team. You're not able to close. You're not able to to shut the door on them. Um, you know, and then laying two stinkers to open conference play. You're they're behind the eight ball now. Um, they really can't afford to drop to drop a, to drop another non con non conference game. So they need to come in here with their hair on fire. They need to keep they need to keep the rhythm going. They need to continue to push the improvement that they've been, that they've been working on and, and kind of cl- kind of get this done and go into conference play eight and five. It's ugly, but you know, you can, you can wipe your hands clean with the beginning of the season and it all starts anew. Yeah. And I mean, this is what Tom is always plans, right? He always plans for the team to play some hard games into the season, you know, figure out who exactly you are. So that way you're not figuring out during conference season uh, and see how that plays out to try and get them to be on there. And I think Indiana state is going to be a great, um, you know, part of helping this team find out who they are because they're going to have to, after that big Baylor win, they're going to have to figure out, you know, can, is this sustainable? Can we keep this going? Can we keep making this happen? Uh, can Tyser Walker continue to be a freak and just, you know, score outright, uh, like nobody's business. It's going to be really interesting to see Russ. What are some of your thoughts going into this game? Yeah. So, uh, I'm kind of like you, JR, you know, I'm being a native Hoosier, native, uh, 
resident of the state of Indiana. I shouldn't say that word. I'm going to get killed by the Boiler Express guys for saying that. Um, <laughs> I actually had a shirt going up that said Hoosier by birth, Boilermaker by the grace of God. So, you know, we'll go with that one. But um, but no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Indiana schools and Big Ten schools. So this is kind of a struggle. Like I want to see kind of see both teams win. But Michigan State's been more of a rival almost in Indiana as of late. You know, you go back the last 20 matchups or so, it's pretty much even, you know, Izzo and Painter going after the same recruits. So, you know, I probably lean towards maybe trying to root for Indiana State in this one. But, you know, Michigan State has looked really good over the last, you know, three games, especially in two of the last three games. Their first halves have been like out of this world, you know, scoring in the 40s and holding your opponents in the teens. And one of those was a top six team in the country. So I think they're going to need to do that again, though, against this Indiana State team, because this Indiana State team, like you said, they're 11-1. They're actually the second highest team in the state of Indiana in Ken Palm and in the net, you know, ahead of Indiana, ahead of Butler. Um, ahead of any other Notre Dame, of course, Notre Dame's having a down down year right. and a, a downtime in the program. But you know, Indiana State has this guy that's the Nikola the Nikola Jokic of college basketball. If you just Google that, look him up. His name's Robbie Avila. He averages sixteen and a half points a game. I think a little over six rebounds a game, and he is like the most awkward looking dude. He's got rec specs. He's a big dude. He's got this big old tattoo, like it's like eagle wings and a cross or something. He's got. I mean, he just looks so awkward, but he gets the job done. And they also have another guy that averages like over 19 points a game. They shoot the lights out of the ball, right? They're like 99th percentile um, in free throw percentage, three-point percentage, uh, three-point attempt rate. So, you know, they're going to be able to shoot the ball well. And if Michigan State doesn't come out ready to play, I think they're going to find themselves in a ball game. Um, but yeah, I, I lean towards Michigan State in this one, though. You know, it's at Michigan State. I think it's going to be a little bit too much of a, of a task, too tall of a task for Indiana State to get the job done there. Yeah, the shooting was going to be what I pointed out, if if neither of you guys did. Um, so on CBB Analytics, which we'll talk more about them in a second, but on CBB Analytics, they have the effective field goal percentage of Indiana State, 61.7%. That's in the 100th percentile of college basketball overall like not just mid-majors not just big 10 and you know isu like overall um their true shooting percentage is 65.2 percent again that is in the 100th percentile of college basketball so i mean they are they're a really really good shooting team um and they they make their shots they do what they need to do uh to be effective and that's a really really hard thing for teams to counter now their weakness is some of their defense right uh they don't have very good personal foul efficiency they don't get very many blocks uh you know they get a good amount of steals but it's not great um so if michigan state's gonna win this one it's it's gonna have to be taking care of the ball uh getting down on the paint and using their size to their advantage which you know, at the end of the day, it's not been Michigan State being down low. That's what's helped them so much this season, as it has been Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard, uh, you know, making the things happen. Jordan Akins, all those guys, Hall, all those guys that you want to talk about. Uh, but it is going to be interesting to see, can Michigan State get down on the block, make things happen in the paint, get the paint uh, points up, so that way they beat ISU. I tend to think they will. I think Tom Izzo is too good of a coach to lose to an Indiana State team. Uh, I'm not trying to disparage State. I think they're having a great season, and I am, am uh, looking forward to continue to watch them. But at the end of the day, I think Tom Izzo, Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogar, I, I just think those guys are going to be too much, and they're going to ultimately win this one. Uh, Spartan Dog, I assume you agree in picking Michigan State to win. Yeah, I mean, look, as much as a test, as much of a test this is, right, for uh, 
for for Michigan State, and, and it is a test. Let's let's be clear. This is a good good basketball team, and you know we. I'm not sure of Jackson Kohler's status. I'm not sure a lot of people are. Last we saw him, he was back in a boot. So we're not sure if he's going to be back for Saturday. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not very confident in Mati Sissoko. Uh, so I think Avila's going to be able to get his. But as much as a test that this is for for Michigan State, this is this is also like a major major test for Indiana State. I mean, they've only played one other uh, high major team, which is Alabama, who is not as good as they were last year, and they got the doors blown off of them. Right. So you know, I I tend to think that you know this this eleven and one record it. It's it's impressive. The stats are impressive. They speak for themselves, right? You're only, you know, you can only play the schedule in front of you, but it it's a little tiny bit Mickey Mousey. We want to say that, right? Yeah. So I, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Indiana State's a great basketball. They're a great team. You know, they're gonna go. They're probably a tournament team as it stands right now. But I just don't. You know, I I have I have faith that Michigan State is going to be able to keep the momentum that they've been that they've collected over the past three games and going in into conference play. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and you know, mid majors are better now than I think they have been. Uh, some of them because of the transfer portal and things like that that really have helped people out. However, I don't think Indiana State has risen to you know me trusting in them like I would trust in like a Florida Atlantic or somebody like that right I'm not going to trust them to be able to take down some of these big dogs uh when I was watching Florida Atlantic versus Illinois earlier this year I I honestly thought Florida Atlantic could have won that game now Illinois eventually pulled it out um however you know it's one of those games where you could you could see Florida Atlantic getting that win um Russ your buddy your buddy's here Dylan Dude, yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> hey, now put some respect on Fort Atlantic. That's that's coming off a Final Four oh, yeah. Fort Atlantic team. So you know they're not just any mid major either. Now, no, they're not. It's and a, that's and that's what I'm saying. Like I, I've not seen this level of success for ISU like year over year to make me t- continue to believe in them. Right? Like I. Yeah. So, but who knows? This could be the start. We'll see. I still think Michigan State's going to get it done, but but I'm rooting for Indiana State the rest of the season. I want to see them do well. Um, yeah, you know, mid majors I love to see, and then of course Indiana. I'm always going to root for Indiana schools. So, and you you mentioned some numbers on CBB. Speaking of the numbers, do you guys know what their net rating is or net ranking? I, I do not. Just look that up. What is it? They're they're actually 23 in the net. So they're 59 in Ken Palm, but they're 23 in the net where Michigan State's at 35. So this is actually technically, according to Net, a quad one game, even though it's a home game for Michigan State. So Michigan State, you know, I think they will win this game. And should they win this game, they're going to be big Indiana State fans too because they want to see that stay a quad one win. And obviously they're big Baylor fans. And so if they can get Baylor and Indiana State to have a good season, you know, they at least have a couple non-con wins that they can point to, you know, after some of the struggles that they've had in the other games. So. That'd be one of those quad one wins where, like, you see it and you're like, wait, I'm not counting the yeah. ones going back. Like, oh, wait, Indiana State was a quad one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Happens every now and then. So, 
All right. Well, very good. Hey, uh, before we move on, just want to remind you about CBB Analytics. We've talked about them. We love CBB Analytics. They give us a free subscription here at the Big Ten Huddle. They also give a free subscription over at Boiler Express, and I know they appreciate them as well. So go check them out. Uh, they have a lot of awesome stuff that's for free, not just paid for stuff. Uh, but if you do want to pay for it, a lot of great content, different tiers that you can sign up for. Um, and like coaches in college basketball actually use it. Um, the guy who runs it. He is like a former in NBA uh, analytics guy. So everything he, he does is professionally done stuff that is used at the highest level of basketball. You will not be disappointed. Uh, you'll make yourself a smarter basketball fan. Uh, and, and, you know, you'll be able to look up all these stats on your own. So that way you can say, no, JR, you're wrong. Or no, Russ, you're wrong. Look at these other stats. And, uh, and I'm sure uh, you can do that in the comments. So yeah, comment all the stats that you think we're wrong on and we'll get you, we'll get you in the comments with that. So, all right, guys. So we are going to move over to the separate screen. Here we go. All right. Oh, I forgot to, this was, this was JR forgetting to plan over here. I got to share my screen now. I know. I know. Here we go. It's the, there it is. Need that Jeopardy music. Right. I forgot to play it. All right. So we did this last time on the last show when we did the, uh, the big 10, uh, midseason predictions and stuff like that. So we're going to get into some big 10 new year's resolutions. So these are our picks for what we think certain teams in the big 10, uh, need to resolve, do better, change, however you want to describe it, uh, in 2024, based on how 2023 has gone so far. I didn't put any rules on this other than just whatever you think needs to change. So whether it's fire somebody, whether it's do this thing differently on the basketball court, whether whether it's, you know, get a bigger arena. I have no idea what uh, these guys chose, but we're going to try to figure something out for all these guys. And we have assigned different teams for each of us where we'll talk about our designation. So I'll go first. I have the Indi uh, Illinois Fighting Illini, and my resolution for them is they need to focus on sharing the ball more and getting more assists. So for Illinois, not a single player on their team averages more than three assists per game. I think actually their like assist leader has played in like three games so far with like 2.7 assists per game or something like that. Uh, it, it, it's been kind of their downfall in some of their games. It, it was their downfall against Tennessee, not enough ball sharing. In my opinion, their assist percentage is 42.4% on shots made. Uh, that's good for 321st in the nation. Uh, now, once you get into the 300s, that's not very good. That's not what you want to see. Uh, and only 12.5 assists, like team assists per game. Uh, so for me, it, there needs to be more assists. There needs to be more sharing of the ball. Uh, and we can talk all day long about how Illinois doesn't have a point guard, yada, 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 whatever we want to say. But the fact is these guys need to do a better job of sharing the ball, not just playing ISO ball, but sharing and getting better shots, easier shots to make those things happen. So you guys got any comments on, uh, on, uh, sharing the ball or for Illinois? Yeah, I, I kind of went similar. So like when you first posed this question and put this as a topic for tonight, it's very open-ended. So some of them were, you know, I compared to actual New Year's resolutions we'd have and some of them are just straight basketball. But uh, for Illinois, I put work on the Shannon Jr. Coleman Hawkins relationship. So kind of in that same vein of sharing the ball, of working together, being more cohesive as a team and not just kind of iso ball, kind of, you know, make something work. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been like a weakness it. for sure. Spartan Dog, you got any thoughts? 
no, I, you know, I agree a hundred percent. You know, you look, you look at Illinois and sometimes the offense can be really static because, you know, the guy in charge of the ball just wants to get it down to five seconds and, and chuck a shot, right? Everyone wants right. to be a hero. Not everyone can be a hero. It's a team sport. And I definitely think that's something that Brad Underwood needs to resolve heading into league play, because if you're going to, if you're going to play hero ball all in the big 10, you're going to get eaten alive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, Russ, you said you love Indiana teams, So we gave you Indiana. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and give uh, us your maybe, Indiana. Knowledge. Maybe not Indiana teams. I don't know. That's, that's tough for me to say. <laughs> I love when I talk, talk about this team, but um, for Indiana, I actually kind of had to, but the first one that came to mind was to finally maximize their potential. You know, so one of the things that's gone through the last decade or so of the Purdue IU rivalry is obviously Purdue has has done quite well in the basketball rivalry. And the, on top of that, Purdue fans love dunking on the Indiana fans even further by posting like recruiting rankings or, you know, kind of projections going into that season. And Indiana has always just had such high potential. They've always got these four star, five star guys, but it always seems like they cannot figure it out. They can't get it to work. I don't know if it's just overthinking it. Like um, we were talking about last time I was on here that they just need to ride the hot hand sometimes. Don't overthink it. Don't have to, you know, feel like you got to drive it to a certain guy. You don't have to get Mbako or Kilo where there's a certain amount of touches. If, if Galloway's going off that night, just keep feeding him. You know, if Kilo Ware's having a good night, then feed him. So, you know, maximize that potential and just, and let it be more natural. Don't overthink it. I know Woodson's an NBA guy and he tries to think of things in an NBA mindset, but as we might see talking about another coach later, that doesn't always work out in the college game. I agree. I agree. That's a great point. Spartan dog. You have any thoughts on that? No. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think that Indiana's leaving a lot on the table, a lot to be desired in, in, in the little I've seen of them uh, so far this season, they, they, they've regressed mightily. Um, you know, missing Trace Jackson Davis, and they just kind of need to figure out a way to fill that hole uh, one way or the other. Because the one of the underrated parts about Trace Jackson Davis's game was that, you know, he could facilitate for other players on the floor, which is very rare in a big man, right? Like he right. took up a lot of oxygen, but he could also, you know, he was really good at kickouts and finding open guys when, you know, they were shutting down the lanes and doubling him. Yeah. And they and haven't found that guy yet. It's been a weakness this season for sure uh, that they have to figure out. All right, Spartan Dog, so you for Iowa, what are your thoughts on Fran McCaffrey's Iowa Hawkeyes? Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the basketball team, they they got to spend some time with uh, with Kirk Ferentz and Phil Parker over in the football building because they have one of oh, the man. most impressive offenses in college basketball. Uh, you know, they are top 15 in, in a lot of offensive statistics, but they are putrid on defense. Putrid. Their points against per game is 313th in the country out of 362 Division One basketball teams. That's like in the bottom, like 20th, 15th percentile. Just awful, awful defense. It's been kind of a calling card of Fran McCaffrey teams as of late, but it is they continuing to regress on defense. And, you know, they've gotten some awesome offensive performances out of guys like Peyton Sanford, but they're just unable to, you know, they couldn't stop, a, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. Right. So they, they definitely gotta, they definitely gotta, gotta get a call in with coach Ferentz and, and Phil Parker and, and get that stuff straightened out. 
I'm all for Phil Parker becoming an assistant coach for the basketball team in addition <laughs> to the football team. Uh, Russ, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, my, my one-liner for Iowa was get Fran McCaffrey some anger management classes. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny and it's a cool gimmick, but, like, as soon as they start to struggle, that's one of those things that it gets real old real fast for a fan base in a school like that. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. All right. I just I can't believe how opposite the Iowa football and basketball program is. It's wild. All right. Uh, my Maryland resolution is get better shots and make them. So I know that's like super simple, but honestly, like you look at the statistics last in the conference in assists per game, they have 11 assists per game. That's last in the conference, last in the conference in field goal percentage, 41% last in the conference in three point shooting percentage. And the only player on their team that shoots above 35% from behind the three point line is Jameer Young and he's shooting 35.2%. So Things are not going well shooting-wise for Maryland, and I think, honestly, a big factor in it is they need to be sharing the ball better. They need to be setting each other up for better shots, and, and that, honestly, that's just kind of what their offense comes down to. We thought Jameer Young would have some more help on offense this year, but he doesn't. He's still being forced to do a lot of the legwork on his own. Now, Julian Reese is a good player. However, it can't be the two-man show on offense. They have to figure out a way to share the ball, get more assists, and shoot better from the field. Uh, Spartan Dog, you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. Illinois, they're a little bit similar to Illinois, right? Where, But Illinois' problem is that they don't want to share the ball. Right? It's like right. everyone wants to be the hero. Here, they're, they're kind of looking at Jameer Young, and they're like, you do it. You save us. <laughs> I, I watched that game... <laughs> I watched that Gavit games against Villanova where they just got taken, where they got taken behind the woodshed. Mm -hmm. And it was like, if Jameer Young didn't score until like garbage time, which like was like five minutes left in the first half onward was garbage time in that game. Uh, If Jameer Young didn't score, it was very rare that someone else was, was putting the ball in the bottom of the bucket. So that's that they got to find a second guy or someone's got to step up and, and you know, kind of help Jameer Young out by taking some of the oxygen of the defense away because it it is not it, – you can't be a one-man show in, ba- in college basketball, especially in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Russ, you got any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, we, we talked about earlier in the year um, guard rankings and how I kind of poked fun at Jameer Young being a volume guy. And that can be enough of a problem when you're leaning on a volume guy to be your leaning, leading scorer. But when you're as a team, a, a volume team where you're not shooting a great percentage, that's that's not a great recipe for success at all. No, it's not. It's not at all. All right. Uh, another team that I, I could think of a few different resolutions, but Russ, I'll let you uh, come up to one on them. Michigan, what's your resolution for them? Speaking of anger management classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't Michigan... going to say it. <laughs> So this is uh, I went a little bit different. Uh, this is kind of more personal one, like relating to your own maybe personal resolution. I put, is this the year you leave that roller coaster relationship that clearly doesn't look like a long term relationship, right? Like you had a great you know honeymoon phase. It seemed like it was going to be really great at the beginning. He's the Michigan guy had some had some decent success at first, but now it's become a lot of drama, a lot of fighting you know, a lot of back and forth, a lot of he said, she said. So is this finally the year that you say, you know what, look, 
you know, we had some good times. I hope we can try to end this on good terms, but either way, this isn't going to work out long-term. We've got to find a way to, to cut this off. Uh, it, that's uh, that could fit so many different resolutions. Uh, that was poetic, Russ. I appreciate that. Uh, a Spartan dog. I'm sure you agree with that, right? No, I absolutely agree. The other thing they got to look better. They got to learn how to win, right? I mean, you go back basically since that 2021 COVID March madness, they have not closed a game. That's been a major issue for them is they are not able to, to win close games. They aren't able to, to stop the bleeding on, on big runs. They just kind of, it's at a point where if they're not leading wire to wire, they're losing. And that is just not something you can, you, you can sustain anywhere in basketball. You would think better coaching would help that. You would. <laughs> All right. Uh, Spartan Dog, uh, We I gave everybody their own teams. So, Spartan Dog, your own Michigan State Spartans, what is your resolution for them? Yeah, my my resolution for the Spartans is is keep up keep up the good work, right? They're, they're a little the, – the best resolutions stick when you start them before January 1st. And it, the season started off rocky. It's been rough, but if you're able to, if you're able to keep up the progress and you're continuing to show the signs that you are indeed the team people thought you to be, you're going to be in good shape come tournament time. Now you're, you gave yourself a tougher road because you've eliminated yourself from the top three seed lines, basically, but you know, can you be can you be that buzzsaw that that everyone expected you to be? Eh, that's that's a good point, Russ. You agree with that? Keep up the good work. Yeah, we're we're all kind of getting a little poetic here, Tom, about starting resolutions early and all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Definitely, you know, Michigan State's done it before. Izzo's done it before, so they're not out of it yet by any means. It's just can you can you go back to that what's worked? Can you go back to your kind of your old self the way you you know don't make life harder than it has to be? You know, you know how to do it, you know the blueprint, like just go out and get it done. Very true, very true. All right, my uh, resolution for Minnesota is to stop with the self-imposed turnovers, all right? They are last in the Big Ten in turnovers per possession, last in turnovers per – or second to last in turnovers per game. Uh, That doesn't mean that they have low turnovers. It means they have a lot of turnovers. And yet, the Minnesota opponents are last in the Big Ten in steals per game, which means a lot of these turnovers that are happening against Minnesota are not – you know, because the other team is making an outstanding play and getting a steal. It's because Minnesota is being careless with the ball, not making the right reads, not making things happen, and turning the ball over unnecessarily, uh, which comes back a lot on Ben Johnson, which we'll get to uh, with the Big Ten stuff or the coaching rankings later on. Uh, but they, they have to stop with the self-imposed turnovers. They have to do a better job of taking care of the ball. And if the other team steals it, they steal it, you know, good on them. But at the end of the day, uh, you, can't, you can't let that kind of stuff happen. Russ, you agree with me there? What are your thoughts? Oh, Russ is muted. Sorry, my fault. It, it's funny too because I was saying "Don't be stupid, stupid," and I'm I'm muted. So yeah, that was like my if you're make it personal as a New Year's resolution, like yeah, don't 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 make life harder than it is. Like kind of like Michigan State, like don't you know don't be stupid, don't 
don't you know you you know how to play the game of basketball play it the right way make them beat you don't beat yourself exactly exactly you agree spartan dog yeah absolutely it, it just you know plenty of people are gunning for you don't 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 aim at your own foot yep i agree i agree all right russ uh team who's been hot this year so i don't know what their resolution uh exactly will be but you had to come up with one so what do you have for the nebraska Cornhuskers? Yeah, so I have a little bit of advantage because when we did our season preview, Nebraska is a team I had to help out with because at the time we had no pod for them. So I had a little bit of homework on them already. And my resolution is just, you know, take advantage of the gifts in front of you, right? Like we're just out of Christmas, going into New Year's resolution, like accept the gifts, say thank you, put them to good use. Don't put the gifts to the side and play with the box. You've been gifted a schedule that before the season, it looked better than maybe it is now. Like you had Purdue, Illinois, Michigan State, and Maryland were kind of the consensus top four teams, right? Well, those are all single play games for Nebraska. So they have probably one of the easiest conference schedules and they have a hot start now to go with it. So just take advantage of that. Don't overthink it. You're playing really good, unselfish basketball. Just take advantage of what's in front of you and go get the job done, get in the tournament. Maybe you make a run. I totally agree. I think uh, Nebraska is set up for a tournament run here to be able to, uh, or set up to make the tournament and possibly go on a run here. And they, they have the guys to be able to do it in the big 10. So that's a huge, huge thing for them. Uh, Spartan dog. We'll go ahead and just skip to your Northwestern Wildcats resolution. What's your resolution for them? Uh, my resolution for the Northwestern Wildcats is to find boo booey employment. I'm sick and tired of seeing this guy play college basketball. I get a job, dude, get a job. I'm sorry. I'm all for player empowerment and transferring and, and, you know, using that extra year of eligibility or whatever, but get a job, man. It's I'm sick of this. You're messing up Northwestern's graduation statistics. I'm so fed up with seeing boo boo booey on my television screen, dropping 38 against MSU. I'm, I'm over it. Go do something else. Deloitte is hiring, man. So your resolution for them was to get rid of their best player to help out your team? Yes. Hey, I'm for it. I wish we'd have done it a little bit earlier in the season, but I'm for it. Yeah. I was going to say, Russ is probably for that one as well. Uh, (laughs) That's hilarious. All right. We'll get to my Buckeyes. Um, Ohio State. Please, for the love of everything that is holy and good, do not go on your January slumpless year. Uh, just if you lose a game, don't get down on yourself. Come back, win the next one. Don't lose three in a row. Don't lose what was it, eleven in a row last year. Uh, you know, just if you lose, it's okay. The world is not falling apart. Everything's not crumbling. It's okay. You can recover, uh, and, and we'll be we'll be fine from there. So, uh, Russ, do you have any thoughts on Ohio State and the January slump? Mine was identical. I said, avoid the slump. <laughs> you think so too, Spartan Dog? Absolutely. You can't. You can't. You can't afford to to go on a to go on a slump like they did last year, eleven in a row. I mean, that basically eliminated you from 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 NCAA tournament contention. So you just gotta you just gotta keep yourself keep yourself steady. You know, don't stack losses. Right, just. Win the games you should win, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Win the games you should win. That's a new thing to put over the the part where Ohio State walks out. Win the games you should win. <laughs> um, I would love that 
pregame speech. All right, Russ, uh, your Purdue Boilermakers, they're looking hot. They're looking really, really good. What's your resolution for them? Yeah, so this is another related to a real-life one. What's one of the most common New Year's resolutions is lose a little weight, right? Like get, get rid of that stubborn belly fat. It's an easy one to do, but it's also an easy one to not do, right? It's easy to go beat that double-digit seed in, in March, get that nice draw. But then if you don't pay attention and you 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 know you take it off in the first half and go, oh, we'll get we'll get behind it, we'll get we'll get it taken care of. All of a sudden, you know, you're you're looking at the final score and you're out of it or you're going to overtime and you're like, what's going on? So that's that's my resolution. It's just, you know, I, I feel like you know, we're in pretty good shape to get a decent seed, obviously, maybe even the number one overall seed, but it's can we get rid of that stubborn belly fat, get get out of that first weekend and then really get to business in March. I agree. I agree. Spartan Dog, you have any thoughts on the Purdue Boilermakers losing a little weight? No, absolutely. I, I definitely think that that losing a little weight is going to be good for them and kind of just getting that monkey off their back and 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 getting into that second weekend so you can you can finally shake you can finally shake that shake that reputation. That's what I was gonna say. I wonder if it's less about stubborn belly fat and more about the monkey on the back, uh the the weight they need to lose. But but it all it all makes sense. I agree, Russ. They they can be a very dangerous team if they just get over that hump. Uh, a very dangerous team in March. So, all right, Spartan Dog, what do you got for Penn State? For Penn State, they got to figure out who they are without Micah Shrewsbury, right? Micah Shrewsbury took the took took the Penn State basketball program to heights. You know, I don't think they've ever reached, right? And him leaving was a major blow to the program, and and you know maybe said a little more about how Penn State views, views basketball than than anything else. If you're if you're the Nittany Lions, you really have to look at what you need to do to succeed not only in the Big 10 but in the future because you have four teams coming in and a few of them are pretty serious about basketball. So, you know, the base rock bottom can get lower, believe it or not. You you gotta you gotta pick yourselves off the mat here and and kind of form your new identity post Shrewsbury. Yeah, this is the thing I've harped on with Penn State pretty much all year. Is like, what's your identity? What's the identity of this team? You know, who's your playmaker? Who's your guy that you go to when you need something? Uh, I mean, that's kind of what I've been harping on. Do you agree with that, Russ? Yeah, I wrote just yeah, keep it together. You know, get get an identity to keep it together. You've got to build an upward trend in the program. They're six and six. A tournament is probably not in the future. Maybe NIT, but yeah, it's can you keep guys like sophomore Kanye Clary has has been a quite the revelation for them, right? Going from four points a game to over seventeen points a game. So can you get an identity? Can you keep guys in house? And can you do a good job this offseason and, and build that program up with these four teams coming in and the conference getting tougher? Couldn't agree more. All right, uh, we'll go ahead and go to Rutgers now, and mine is very simple. Don't be Iowa football, all right? So <laughs> it's very simple, okay? You are currently last in the Big Ten in offensive rating. You are currently first in the Big Ten in defensive rating. I'm not saying make the defensive rating lower, but I am saying let's focus a little bit more on offense. You know, there's no Big Ten West in college basketball, all right? Uh, it's it's not a winning formula. So, um, you know, I, I'm very excited for the players that Rutgers has coming in next year. But this year, let's get a little bit more offense, be able to do uh, a little bit th- more efficiency with that. Uh, Russ, you agree, disagree? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, similar to Penn State for me, but it's keep the recruiting class intact. Yeah. You know, it, with until that guy's in the uniform and on the court for your team 
anything can happen. So, you know, don't, you know, improve offense. Yes. But, but make the product look good enough that you don't lose what you got coming in. I agree. I agree. Spartan dog. You agree. Uh, don't be Iowa football. Keep the recruits. Uh, I, I agree. You know, defense is a great thing. Great defense is a great thing. It's, it's sort of a lost art in, in modern basketball. Right. But you know, you can have the best defense in the world. You're, if someone gets hot, you know, and you're not able to, you're not able to put out the fire a little bit by, by putting the ball in the bucket, then, you know, what are you, right? I was running into this problem all the time. So you definitely got to be able to, you got to be able to manufacture points. And I I don't, I, Rutgers has not shown that they're able to do that, right? When it gets close, who are you going to that is going to get you points guaranteed? They don't have that guy right now. Yeah. They have their guaranteed lockdown defenders, but they don't have their guaranteed uh, offensive weapons. So, all right, Russ, finish us out. Wisconsin, what's their resolution? So it's kind of opposite of what you just said, actually. So I think their defense needs to get a little bit better. You know, they're they're not a terrible team. They're on the verge of being one of those top four double-by teams in the Big Ten. But their Ken Palm defensive efficiency is right at about 36th, I think, right now. And if they're going to make a, a Sweet 16 challenge or even a deeper run, I think they got to get that defense a little closer to the top 20. And they've got the pieces. They got the the balanced offense. I think to to be one of the better teams of the Big Ten and make a run in March. I agree, totally agree. All right, hey, I think these are some good resolutions. Uh, so if any coaches are watching, here's your blueprint for what to do in 2024. I know so many Big Ten coaches are probably watching. <laughs> uh, and hey, we didn't fire anybody, so I think that's a plus. We didn't we didn't say anybody should be fired. So. We're getting there. That's next. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, we are getting there because. Big 10 coach rankings. All right. So uh, here's how it goes. All right. These are specifically for how the season has gone so far. These are not, you know, so when we're talking about Tom Izzo, we're talking about how, how has Tom Izzo been right now this season? We're not talking about how was Tom Izzo before or anything like that. We're talking about right now. How is Tom Izzo? How is Matt Painter? Has, how is Kevin Willard? All those guys. Uh, how are we going to rank these guys and make it happen? So um, we'll go ahead and we'll let Russ start us off with this one. Russ, I think I know who your number one guy is, but just go ahead and say it to confirm. Of course, it's it's Matt Painter. Of course, I'm going to be the homer. Um, you know, We had this discussion last year after the season as, as to what does Matt Painter have to do to be coach of the year? And I don't think he can be because when you're expected to be at the top, and you stay at the top, it's not like, oh, you went from a basement team to a contender, but they're the only team to go undefeated in non-conference in the last two years of all Power Six programs, and now they've done it a third straight year, and they've scheduled a gauntlet. So, And he's changed the way he coaches, right? The guards have played a lot better this year. He put TKR in the starting lineup. He put Lance Jones as a transfer in the starting lineup. That was a huge get, and I think that he's really improved this year, and I think that this could be the year he breaks through. Yeah, I, I thought about a couple other guys, but at the end of the day, I just looked at it and I said, I have to I have to go Painter. He has done the best coaching job so far this year. Uh, you know, everybody will use their excuses of Zach Eadie's just tall. I don't respect your opinion if you have that opinion. Um, I do understand it because I had it last year, uh, but this year I'm like, no, that's not the thing. If you actually watch the games and see how it is, Zach E.D. is really, really good. And there's a lot of good coaching that Matt Painter does in the games that I think goes unnoticed, but he's just been he's been really good this year. So Spartan Dog, you think we're right or you got a different opinion? Yeah, you know, I, I thought of maybe putting putting some different guys here. Um, you know, just for just to be, you know, different and quirky. Uh little manic 
manic pixie dream girl, but yeah, I mean, Painter Painter is by far the been the best coach in the conference so far this season. I don't think there's any debate. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Spartan Dog, give us your number two. Uh, my number two. So I am going to get a little manic pixie dream goal here. Uh, I'm going to go with Fred Hoiberg and uh, Nebraska. You know, I, I think, I think he's finally last season. You finally start, you finally started to see the germ of what he was trying to do there. And I think this year it's coming to fruition a little more. Um, they, they have suffered some injuries. Um, you know, that is, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt them as they get kind of more into conference play. Um, their awesome center, uh, rank mast is, I believe is, is out for the year. Um, if not an extended period of time. So that's definitely going to be killer for them as they try to, you know, make the tournament. And, you know, that's not something Nebraska basketball does. Nebraska ball does a lot is make the tournament. So, you know, this early in the season, um, they've had a bit of an easy schedule, but like Russ said, you can only play who's in front of you and they've taken care of business. So I think Fred Hoiberg's done phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I would have had Fred Hoiberg number one if they could have kept it closer uh, with Creighton or even beat Creighton earlier this year. So uh, I know this is not really all that interesting because we're all the same right now. And I'm I'm assuming Russ is probably going to be the same, but uh, I can't sing the praises of Fred Hoiberg enough. Russ, you agree or disagree? Yeah, I don't have really much to add. I've got Fred Hoiberg number two as well. I think at this point, it's very impressive what he's done, especially you go back to about two thirds away through last season when it was like maybe maybe he's done. And he's just flipped the 180 and done a really good job there in Nebraska. I agree. I agree. All right. Who's your number three then, Russ? So my number three is actually Greg Gard. Um, I think he's done a good job having that team in position to – right now I'd put them as the second or third best team in the conference. And to do that from a position where most people viewed them as like maybe more of a middle of the road, like a 6-7 team in the conference, I think that's really good so far. I agree. I think Greg Gard is very good. I'm actually going to go Brad Underwood, though. Um, one thing that Brad Underwood has done this season is I think he has improved the culture at Illinois a lot. Um, I I feel like, and I, you know, Greg Waddell over on Sleepers talks about it a lot, but like the body language and stuff like that. I do buy into that stuff. Like they look like a team who is more excited about each other, getting wins, and uh, you know, I, I do come down on them a bit when they get down like in that Tennessee game they kind of gave up a little bit but uh but you know it's not it's not a perfect culture um but I feel like the culture has gotten better this is a much better team than they were last year even though they have some of the same guys so I'm gonna give Brad Underwood some love and make him number three so Spartan Dog who's your number three guy uh I'm I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Greg Gard um and I think the reasons for that um are, are, are pretty clear, right? Uh, Russ basically covered all the bases for me, right? This was a team that was expected middle of the pack, right? Maybe a year away, maybe they needed to hit the transfer portal a little harder, but I think that they um, have done a, phen- I think Greg Gard's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, he has. Who's your number four then? Uh, my number four, I'm going to go with Chris Holtman, actually. Um, you know, everyone, everyone loves to joke about, about Chris Holtman, um, you know, the January slump, the, the constant selling of we're a year away, we're a year away, we're a year away, but you know, I, I still think he's a pretty solid coach and 
I do think that I do think that this year is the year he can finally kind of break through, break through that glass ceiling and, and kind of make some noise in March. He very well could. I'll believe it when I see it, uh, but he very well could. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with Greg Gard as my number four uh, for a lot of the same reasons you guys gave. Just doing a great job this season. All right, Russ, who's your number four? I got a password protect my notes, man, because I've got Chris Holtman number four as well. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, if you look at staring 11 and two in the face going into the new year, I think that's a really, really good start for this Ohio State team. Um, even with different guys leading the way that you maybe expected, Roddy Gale kind of coming out of nowhere. You know, when you have a player that makes that leap, that speaks volumes of a coach's ability to develop um, talent. And I think he's done a great job this year. I, maybe I'm just too low on Chris Holtman, but it's probably the pessimist in me. Uh, <laughs> who's your number five, Russ? So number five, I actually have Brad Underwood there at number five. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, yes, his body language has been better. The team has looked better. But like you said, they've got a, you know, I, I'm a fan of X's and O's, right? I'm a Purdue fan. I'm a Painter fan. You know, when you're not drawn up plays well, when you're not getting assisted buckets, you know, that can cost you the games like Marquette and like Tennessee. And I think they're still just kind of one step away from putting it all together. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, having a good season, but definitely things to improve on. Um, I think actually my next guy is going to be Chris Collins. I think uh, Collins, you know, that Chicago State loss was obviously bad, but I mean, it's been the only team to defeat Purdue this year. So I feel like he has to be in the top five, uh, nine and two doing really well. Yes. They have boo booey who probably could be employed elsewhere as Spartan dog pointed out for us. But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, this is still a guy who, you know, two years ago was pretty much set to be fired and then he won big 10 coach of the year. So, uh, and he's, he seems to be doing really, really well again this year. So I'm gonna go with Collins at number five, Spartan dog. Who's your number five. Um, see, this is tough because now we're kind of getting into, Kind of, this might be a this might be a bigger picture discussion <laughs> about about the Big Ten conference this year. Um, for right now, I'll uh, I'll agree with you, Jr. I'll go with Chris Collins. Right? I mean, that Chicago State loss is a bad loss. It's an inexcusable loss. I mean, right. Chicago State has been such a joke in college basketball. Mark Titus has been actively campaigning to become the coach of Chicago State. So. <laughs> That's not that's not what you want no, um, as as a program, but you know, like you said, they're the only team to beat. They're the only team to beat uh, to beat Purdue. I'm sure they're going to kick the shit out of Michigan State like they always do. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got Chris Collins, and then at number six, um, I'll go with Brad Underwood. I've been pretty underwhelmed um, with with Illinois this year, and you know the big 10 as a whole really is a basketball conference outside of Purdue. Um, you know, Brad Underwood is, um, is a guy who, who I don't think I would enjoy hanging out with. <laughs> the hangout factor. Brought him yeah. Real body. Would I, body, would Brad. I, yeah. Would I want to, would I want to get a beer with Brad Underwood? No, I would not. Uh, but yeah, I mean you can't argue with results. Um, so I'm I, I I'll put Brad Underwood here. <laughs> That's our next rankings. Who do I want to get a beer with uh the most out of all the coaches? 
Oh, man, I'm not picking Fran. Anyway, uh, number six, <laughs> I'm going to go with Chris Holtman here. I do think that the season has been really good, and I'm happy with the development of Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale. Uh, Felix Akpara, sleepy development player as well. I feel like he's done a good job. Um, and maybe I'm just too biased about past seasons, uh, but for me, the Penn State loss, it still just comes back to it it's like how did you let that happen um so i guess you could say the same thing about chris collins but um you know he's got a little bit more hype for him and i'm not as hard on him as i guess i i am chris holtman so russ who's your number six uh six is where i have chris collins you know kind of like y'all said it's it's tough to beat purdue and, and be too low on this list you know chicago state loss does it is tough but you know when you're talking about two non-con losses going into conference play if you can finish top half, top six in the conference, you're pretty much guaranteed a tournament berth, and, and then it's a new season at that point. So, Yeah, very true. All right, who's your number seven? At seven, I actually have Ben Johnson. Um, oh. It might be surprising, but I think it's more a result of I want to put some other guys lower on the list. Um, but he does have them at nine wins. You know, if he can create some, some of last year's, you know, Penn State, Northwestern, Nebraska-type magic and, and somehow get to around 500 in conference play, they're going to be in the conversation for maybe a last four in team, I think, because you're going to have wins against big 10 teams that will go dancing. So I have Ben Johnson. Yeah, no, I, uh, Ben Johnson has been doing, doing a good job this season. Definitely deserve that. Um, I, I'm going to go kind of go off the wall here, but I, Pick Mike Woodson for number seven. Uh, I know he's not everybody's guy, and, and I get that, but you know he he's got some. What he's been able to do with Kalel Ware, I think, has been impressive. I mean, this was a guy that just looked like he went through the motions every single day at Oregon, uh, had a hard time, and even though he doesn't show the most passion on the court, you can see a guy who has been developed better, who cares more, um, and I think that's a result of co- coaching in his case. Um, some of it has been difficult with. Gabe Cups, um, you know, Gabe Cups is a guy, if he was playing like Braden Smith was last year, Indiana would be doing a whole lot better. Uh, there's your Purdue praise for you again, Russ. But, um, but he, I mean, he, if he was even half of what Braden Smith was last year, this team would be doing a whole lot better. So I do have to ding him for not getting Gabe Cups as ready as maybe he should be. Uh, but, you know, hey, I use the only team in the conference with two conference wins and no losses. So, you know, got to give him their flowers. Right, Russ? <laughs> no comment <laughs> alright Spartan Dog we'll go with you who's your number 7 uh, I'm actually going to put Fran here uh, you know I I think I in terms of you know what what a team is right Iowa has is an elite offensive team their offensive system is made to highlight players who can who can fill the stat sheet and put the ball in the bottom of the net um, he's been able to identify talent, you know, like like Peyton Sanford and kind of develop him in, into a sharpshooter. Uh, I, I, you know, the defense, again, a lot, a lot, a lot to be desired. Um, and then number eight, I am going, I'll put Mike Woodson here. Um, you know, they are, like you said, JR, one of the only undefeated teams in conference play in the Big Ten. Uh, through the first couple games here before Christmas. And I think that he does get a little grace based on his performance last year. You know, I think last year was an impressive job coming in. Um, Let's see if he can follow it up. I agree. I agree. I think uh, 
Mike Woodson deserves to be up there as well. Uh, I'm actually going to agree with Russ when it comes to number eight. I'm going to give it to Ben Johnson. Uh, you look at who this Minnesota team was last year, going into this year. Um, you know, I don't think it's been a spectacular improvement, but it's been an improvement, and you have to give credit where credit is due there. So, Ben Johnson. Russ, who's your number eight? Eight, I actually have Mike Woodson. So, we're kind of going back and forth, agreeing with each other, kind of in this range. You know, yeah. They, you know, they do need to maximize the potential, but, you know, he does have the pieces in place. They've shown it in flashes and outside of getting thumped by Auburn, you know, UConn and Kansas aren't, aren't bad losses and they've won the other games they're supposed to win. Um, it's just going forward. Is he going to, you know, kind of improve and maximize that potential he's got in front of him? I agree. All right. Here's number nine. Uh, nine. I actually have another surprise here. I've got Mike Rhodes. You know, I'm going kind of based off of what expectations were and, and what he's been able to do. And, you know, he's brought a lot of new pieces in there and they've been able to, you know, get to 500. They came back against um, a certain basketball team that I won't name to hurt your feelings. But, you know, you've got to you got to have some good coach can you keep your guys involved in a game to be down 18 points and come back and win a conference game like that. So, yeah, I got Mike Rhodes. You can't hurt my feelings anymore, Russ. They're already hurt enough. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Steve Peichel for number nine. Uh, it's kind of a different reason, but you know, the recruiting has just been on fire lately. And even though this Rutgers team hasn't been anything spectacular, they're seven and four, uh, you know, own one in the conference. It's not been a fantastic year, but I mean, he's doing something really, really good on the recruiting trail, making things happen there. So I think you have to be impressed with that. Um, we have, (laughs) we have somebody telling us how stupid we are in the comments. So. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to give Gary the the pleasure of being up on the screen. All right. Uh Smart and Dog, who's your number 9? Uh I I'll put Ben Johnson here. Uh right. you know, 500 at at Minnesota is you know, it, it is what it is, right? Um by the way, Minnesota I think has one of the worst basketball courts in the country. That that like millennial gray wood is it, Chip and Joanna Gaines, like looking kitchen, the, looking wood, and the fact that it's elevated just set up to try to get dudes hurt. I mean, that's the, right, the yeah. that's the floor that took out Robbie Hummel's knee and ruined the baby boiler's chance at a title. Yeah, I, I I don't like it either. I'm with you. Yeah, I hate the hate the barn. Uh, and then number ten, um, you know, I'll I'll put Tom here. Um, the only reason he's not lower is because he has kind of put put it together here in the last couple of weeks, but it, it has been a frustrating, uh, it's been a frustrating 2020. It's been a frustrating fall for, for Michigan state fans overall. And, you know, we were kind of a, relative to expectations. I mean, Michigan state might be one of the runaway candidates for most disappointing team in the big 10. Um, just, just completely unable to shoot the three. Um, insane lineup decisions um not riding hot hands the 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 committing to the auto bench when you know it's going to kill you it's just been it's just been insane but they have gotten it together um so that's why he's not lower but if they were if if not they he would have been a lot low he'd be he'd be a lot lower if it wasn't for if it wasn't for the past couple of weeks i'll say that the Baylor win definitely helps uh, in a lot of regards. Um, I, I still probably I, I won't have him that high. I'm actually going to go with Mike Rhodes next for a lot of the same reasons that Russ said. Uh, you know, 
it's a tough team to try and work with, especially with Michael Shrewsbury leaving all the seniors that left that team. But uh, he brought in um, Ace Baldwin, who's been really good. Kanye Clark has made a lot of improvements uh, or has improved throughout the season and and done a very good job. So I think you got to give Mike Rhodes his credit there. Russ, who's your number 10? Yeah, at 10, I've got uh, Steve Peichel. We're kind of going back and forth now, JR. It, it's the same same reasons you said. It's it's the recruiting kind of bump. It's the, you know, the on-court product maybe not has been as great. You know, starting with a loss to Princeton's not great. But, you know, to bring those recruits in, we'll see how good of a job he does keeping that class together. Uh, but you can't deny what he's done on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, who's your number 11? Um, 11, I've got Fran McCaffrey. You know, we're, we're getting into those coaches now that had maybe higher expectations. You know, when you look top at that top guards list, you know, to have Sanford and Perkins up there as two of the top 10 guards. And, you know, you got Creek, you got McCaffrey, you got Freeman as some of the better bigs and front court guys in the league to to be down there where you're at right now is, you know, it's not great. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, my number 11, I said I wasn't going to put him at 10, but I'll put him at 11 is Tom Izzo. Um, I, I do think we have to think about, you know, just how difficult of a schedule it has been for Michigan State as well. Uh, and for his guys not to give up and not to, you know, mail it in or anything like that to come out as strong as they did against Baylor. I do think we have to give him credit there as well. I might be eating these words if they lose to Indiana State. However, I don't think they are. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, Tom Izzo, he, he's, kind of doing what he always does he has a really really tough schedule going into it uh now Matt Painter had a really tough schedule too and he's he's won his games uh so obviously it can be done however at the end of the day uh I do think we have to take that into account as well all right Spartan Dog who's your number 11 uh I'll I'll put Pikele at number 11 you know I I I, for the recruiting bump right I have not been impressed with Rutgers this year at all um I think they're setting the game back a hundred years uh, to the point where I almost expect them to play out of peach baskets uh, and like real leather balls. But, you know, I, recruiting has been on fire. Um, if he's able to kind of innovate and find a primary score, he doesn't even have a primary score right now. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to kind of get that primary score um, and then number 12, I'm I'm going to go Mike Rhodes. Um, you know, I know that it, I know that it's, that it's tough to, to win at Penn state, but you know, you should be a little bit above five. You should be above 500 with the schedule that Penn state has had. They haven't, they haven't played world beaters. And, and, you know, I, I think they're just kind of struggling with, with a lot of things right now that, that they just gotta, they just gotta get out of their system. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Mike Rhodes has done a lot of good things, but he's also had some some tough things as well. Uh, my number twelve. Oh, who did I put? Oh, I put <sighs> put Jawan Howard for number twelve. Um, I do give him some grace because of what's going on with you know the heart surgery and all that stuff and things like that. I feel like a guy who had heart surgery earlier. I can't put him last. Uh, and, and I and I have those two bottom spots reserved for another two guys that i think deserve it so um at the end of the day juan howard been been tough this season for him and uh he you know getting into a fight and uh punching you know your strength and conditioning coach obviously allegedly uh, allegedly (laughs) um but at the end yeah i guess the punch was allegedly but uh but yeah at the end of the day he's also not coached the whole season so i don't think i can hold it against him too much all right russ who do you have for number 12 so at 12, I actually have Kevin Willard. Um, you know, it's 
like I said, we're in that range of guys that had had decent preseason expectations and are not living up to it. You know, they weren't quite as high as some of the other teams, but they were expected to be in competition for a top four spot at the very least middle of the conference. But, you know, they have they've had a pretty poor start to the year. And, you know, like you said, just to just have that volume of shooting and not do well with it, like coaching's got to step in and figure something out at that point. Mm-hmm. I agree. Who's your number 13? So 13, this is where I've got Tom Izzo. Um, you know, like you said, you know, yes, they've had a tough schedule, but they were supposed to be right there with Purdue. Like they were both top five teams and Purdue went and won all those big games. And aside from Baylor, Michigan State went and lost all of those big games. And, you know, a lot of the guys, their front court have not lived up to the potential this year so far. Like they've looked better the last few games, you know, and you're getting these all-star, you know, McDonald American guys in there, you know, you're, you've got high expectations and, you know, he's not performed so far, but there's plenty of time left and he is supposedly Mr. March. Let's see if he's still got that in him, but it's, it's not been the start that I think most Michigan State fans would have wanted. Nope. I'll be March. Nope. Not, not, not the start I wanted. No. I, I can, I can attest to that. Uh, my number 13 is Kevin Willard. Um, just, uh, there were a lot of things going into the season that I know Maryland fans were excited about. I was excited about for the Maryland program and, and Willard just hasn't, hasn't delivered. So, uh, you know, to me that, and that's an indictment on him in a lot of those ways. Uh, a lot, a lot of what you said, the same Russ. All right, Spartan dog, who's your 13? Uh, I have Kevin Willard here as well, Jr. For all the reasons you and Russ have pointed out, I mean, I I, I definitely think that he um, yeah, has not been living up to to potential. He's not been maximizing his roster um, at all, and it it showed in some of the results. Yeah, yeah. So I assume last is Jawan Howard for you. Last is Jawan Howard. I mean, you could even throw Phil Martelli in Jawan Howard slash Phil Martelli. But look, like the reason, and and you know, like. I get, I get what you're saying, Jr. Like the heart stuff, but the problems that Michigan has had for the last two years are still here, right? It's cultural, yeah. And there's no one to blame for your culture but the head coach. I don't care whether he's getting up, whether he's standing up during the games or sitting on the bench. Your your head coach attitude reflects leadership, right? And and they are unable to close big games. Um, they're, they're they get lazy on defense, and you know we talked before the show. It's insane how cosmically connected Michigan basketball and MSU football is. I went through it all with you guys pre-show. It's it's for another time, but you know I think we're at the point now where where we're at the end of the road with Juwan Howard. I, I, I just, I can't believe he's still employed. Honestly, I really can't. I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, the, the legacy as a player and stuff like that. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to fire him. And there is no official legacy. Like, no, but like that legacy is like, it's not, you know, it's not there. I mean, it's in the basement, but it's, you know, they can't display it publicly. Right, but I mean everybody remembers it and everybody knows it though, you know. So, yeah. So, we'll see. Uh my my last one obviously is a good old friend McCaffrey and kind of some of the same stuff you were saying a Spartan dog about Juwan Howard, but like this is a very very easy I, I guess not easy. This is a very very obvious thing to fix. Play 
defense. I mean, you you lost at home to Michigan, which Spartan Dog was just talking about how Juwan Howard can't close games. Uh, I mean, it, it, play defense. I, I I cannot get over how Fran McCaffrey. Yes, you can develop these offensive players and do and do good things there, but you're seven and five. You're not playing defense. I. I I I cannot say enough bad things about Fran McCaffrey and how I feel like he has just botched coaching this year and how bad it's been. Um, so y- you and I are obviously at different wavelengths here, Spartan Dog with Fran up at seven, me down all the way at the bottom. But I just I, I cannot see what he's done this season outside of developing some offense, which he does every single year. That's that's been very good. So you know, he's for, bottom for, for Fran. Uh, there's an instructional DVD on Amazon uh, called building a championship defense. I think he needs to check out. Fran would have a DVD player too. Do you know, do you know who, do you know who leads that workshop on building a championship defense? Tom is No, it's Fran McCaffrey. Oh, (laughs) no, I didn't know. (laughs) That's good. Oh, geez. Uh, got me there. Good, good there, Spartan Dog. All right, uh, Russ, your last one, Jawan Howard. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah. And to pile on Fran, I mean, you can't be in the Big Ten and not have a defense. You know, it's better to have a defense and no offense than have offense and no defense in the Big Ten. But, but yeah, Jawan Howard, and you know, yeah, it's still his program. So, like you said, it could be Jawan slash Phil. But you know, they. I went through, and I don't know if we'll get to it, but I was going through some of the matchups with other Power Five conferences to see how we stack up. And there's a lot of schools that you know won some power five games or power six games, lost some, but you get to schools like Michigan that they've lost like almost every power six game that they've played this year outside of winning at Stanford, which great. That's a going across the country and beating Stanford, but Stanford's lost to Santa Clara and Northern Iowa. Like they're a 500 team. So, you know, yeah, Michigan has just kind of embarrassed the big 10 a lot this year, I think on the national stage. And then you add to that, the drama with Juwan Howard and getting in fights and with other coaches, with people within the staff, like, I think it's just time for him to go. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, break up the relationship. So, all right, let's uh, go back to the regular view here. There it is. All right, uh, so we'll, we'll have a quick discussion on it. We went far longer than I thought we would, but we'll just have a quick discussion on it. Russ, sounds like you got some notes for uh, what is the Big Ten's conference rank among other conferences this year? Uh, what you got, Russ? Yeah, I think uh, the the one conference I think is clearly out in front to me is the Big 12. You know, you can't understate the addition of Houston and BYU to that conference. And they already were a pretty top-heavy conference. I think that's the one conference the Big Ten would really struggle to, to match up with top to bottom. Um, at The more I looked at it, though, the more I, you know, I thought starting out we were maybe fifth, like pretty, pretty down there. But then you start looking at how we've matched up against, you know, like Marquette's got multiple multiple losses to the Big Ten. You know, UConn's not look so great. So I'd, I'd put us above the Big East. And then, you know, the ACC is obviously not a deep conference. They don't, you know, who, who's the front runner there? Maybe Duke still. I don't know. But, you know, and then the Pac-12, of course, it's Arizona's right out front. But, you know, Purdue took care of Arizona and Arizona kind of played a little bit of the Big Ten light schedule and they did thump Wisconsin. But I think top to bottom, we'd take the Pac-12 down. Um, the SEC might be the one we'd battle with for second, I think, is is where I'm at is you know, Tennessee took care of some Big Ten teams, but they're – or not some. They beat Illinois, but they also lost two games to Big Ten schools this year. So I, th- I think we're still right there at number two. That's my Number opinion. two. All right. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I think it's not crazy to say number two. I think, you know, the Big Ten, they kind of lack 
um, some of the top end stuff most years, but I think we have that with Purdue this year, uh, that top end, uh, team to be able to, to, uh, to, to, to speak for the conference kind of, it's really more the middle this year that we're struggling with a little bit more and our, and our teams that are down in the, in the cellar are still better than most other conferences teams that are down in the cellar. So, uh, I would be happy with anywhere two through four. Uh, but I kind of lean with you as well, Russ. I still think we're a two or three team, uh, or a two or three conference up there just because of the depth. And if you look at the bottom of the conference, you say, you know, the worst team in the big 10 is still better than the worst four or five teams in the ACC. Right. Um, Spartan dog, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I would probably place the big 10 third this year. I think that not having a clear a clear second team it is going to hurt the conference in the long run, right? Um, you know, you could throw six teams in, in the conversation for for the second best team in the conference. That's not that's not good necessarily, right? You want to be able to have um, a good, robust like A tier. And there's not really an E tier right now outside of Purdue. So, um, you know, in, in other conferences, there's a little more clear cut. That's how I view, I view it. But yeah, we're we're still definitely ahead of the ACC. Um, you know, I would probably put us behind the Big Twelve in the in the SEC, um, just in terms of just in terms of you know top to bottom competition. But yeah, it's I, it's been a weird year so far for the Big Ten. It's been really been really weird outside of Purdue everyone's kind of been kind of performing below expectations yeah it's been it's been an interesting one I mean uh, you look at it Vanderbilt is lowest of the lowest of the sellers right I mean that that's an SEC team that obviously is going to bring them down in a lot of regards Um, but I still think you know some of the bottom dweller teams of the Big Ten are still possibly if not for sure better than teams like LSU Missouri Georgia, I mean, those are kind of some of their teams that are down there in the SEC. So uh, I think the SEC is probably going to have more tournament teams. If you look at net right now, net projects that the SEC will get eight teams into the tournament and the Big Ten will only get five. Uh, so, you know, they, they have that in their favor if that does end up being that way. And it's actually crazy. The Big Ten is projected five teams. The other conference uh, that's not Power Six that's projected five teams is the Mountain West. Um, so if you're going to ask me who's better, the Mountain West or the Big Ten, I'm still going to go with the Big Ten uh, over the Mountain West. Uh, but it's 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 interesting because even if you look at Nets, you know, average rating, the Big Ten has the second highest average net rating of any conference. Um, so, and, and Purdue obviously helps that a lot, being all the way up there at the top uh, and, and having no real terrible uh teams as well i think the lowest in net for yeah the lowest in net for the big 10 is penn state at 132 that's above the bottom three teams in the sec so that helps out a lot there but but yeah it's a crazy thing to try to figure out Uh, i think the big east is always slept on every year i think the big east is probably the fourth or the third best conference this year um but you know we'll see it's interesting to think about. Any other final thoughts about the conference uh, rankings or anything like that, guys? Nope. All right. We went really long, hour and 20, but we made it. We're here. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, and I do want to let you know if you made it all the way through the episode, congrats. Uh, we will not have an episode on Sunday night, so there will be no basketball episode Sunday night. Enjoy your new year. Uh, be safe. 
have a good time celebrating and bringing in the new year uh, and having all that stuff happen. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Russ. Thank you for joining us, Spartan Dog. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Have a great night.